I hope. Last week, we talked about the song of attraction and what it means to be attracted to someone. This week and next week, we're going to be start talking about what to do when you're attracted to someone. So raise a poll of the audience here. Who here is attracted to someone? Few of you? Good. This will be applicable. Good. Uh, who here thinks that they know what to do and what they're doing when it comes to dating? Far fewer. There's like three hands. Great. That's really encouraging. Uh, actually, when I was a sophomore in college, I was in the same place. I had no clue what to do when it came to dating, and I liked this girl. I was attracted to her, and uh, I was also scared to death. And so for months, I simply flirted. I flirted with her, and she uh, apparently flirted back with me, but I was scared to ask her out because I was waiting for some sign from God or from her that I should ask her out. And uh, the funny thing is, she was sending signs. I was just too thick-headed to understand them. But then one night, I was in my dorm. She was at her house, and uh, we were talking on AOL Instant Messenger, AIM. That's how we did things back then. And uh, so we're sitting there chatting and typing away, and she sends me this message. She says, uh, hey, I would really love to go to coffee tonight, but I don't have anyone to go with. And I think, it's a good opportunity, right? Uh, but I don't want to assume anything, uh, even though it's safe to assume something. So I respond, I say, well, I might be at coffee station later if you want to come by and study with me. And uh, she said, I'll probably stop by. And so I went up to coffee station, which is now Mugwalls, for those of you that don't know. It used to be coffee station. I went up there. She came up there. And that was our first official date. That's how it happened. Uh, that was actually my first serious relationship. That's how it began. And I, as a sophomore, had no stinking clue what I was doing. I was lost, uh, as you can tell. And so that is why over the next couple of weeks, we're going to focus on what to, how to date, how guys should date, how girls should date, how to pursue someone, how to be pursued. So today, Sarah DeSosa is going to come up, and she's going to talk to the ladies specifically about how to be pursued, how to date well. But guys, you should listen in because this can give you some clues about who you should be pursuing, right? And then next week, Jacob's going to come, and he's going to talk specifically to the guys about how to date. And ladies, you should come next week and listen because this can give you uh, some insight into who you should allow to pursue you. For instance, if a guy asks you out over Instant Messenger passively without really asking you out, just say no. All right? So uh, without further ado, uh, I'm going to pray for Sarah and then hand over the stage to her. Father, we thank you that, that you have made us in your image. We thank you that you have made us uh, to be men and women who can pursue you and be pursued by you and who can pursue others in a way that reflects you to the world. Father, I pray for Sarah that you would give her your words, that you would speak truth from her, and I pray for um, the students here that you would speak to them as well. Lord, we thank you for uh, this morning and uh, giving us this time to worship you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, howdy. Howdy. 
We are definitely shaking things up this morning, um, so I'm glad to be here with you and glad to um, have a chance to, to share this message with you. And if we haven't met yet, I'm Sarah DeSosa. I'm on staff here um, with the college ministry, and I've been working here for about six years now, and um, I'm our college women's director. Um, I have a wonderful husband. He's um, sitting back there, David. Um, he normally is making your coffee each morning um, when you come here, so he's, he's a good guy to have around. He loves making coffee. But um, yeah, we um, are also expecting our first child. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> thank you. So um, if everything is just weird, it's, I'll blame it on pregnancy brain because it's true. It is true. There's a fog. But with that being said, this morning we're going to talk about dating. And I'm sure that all of us in this room have different ideas about the correct way to date. Apparently, none of you know how to date because Marty asked you and none of you raised your hands early. But I had the opportunity to live overseas um, in a country um, in Central Asia for about um, three or four years. And um, while I was there, I heard kind of a crazy thing. In, in this area, um, arranged marriages are still something that are, are practiced commonly. And so that's how I thought that most people met their spouses in this country. But one day, um, I went to my fruit lady, um, her little stand, and we were talking, and she was like, Sarah, guess what? Something great happened last night. And I was like, what? She was like, well, my brother, um, he found his bride. And I was like, really? Um, She was like, yeah, here's what happened. So her brother was getting to this age where he needed to get married. It was time. And so his parents were like, you need to find a bride or we're going to find one for you, basically. So um, he spotted his target, right? He finds his girl. He told his parents, I want this one. So He and his parents, I know, it's crazy. So he and his parents went to her house, and they go in, and they um, ask her and her parents for her hand in marriage, um, to which they say no. So he and his parents, maybe it wasn't clear, they ask again. They say no. They ask a third time, still no. So he and his parents, dejected, leave, go back home. But that's not the end of the story. Later that night, in the darkness of night, he snuck back over to her house, and he stole her right out of her home, (laughs) brought her to his home, and bam, they were married. Yeah, this is true. This is a true story, y'all. This is how it happens. I was, when she told me that, I was like, there was like a little bit of mix of like awe and wonder, but then like creepiness. And, and I was like, but wait, at least you don't have to go through all that awkward dating part. You're just married and it's great. So maybe, but, um, but yeah, this is, this is a common practice, this bride stealing. The funny thing is that this is actually an agreed upon um, method of finding your bride. So even she and her parents, they were just kind of playing the game. They knew that he was coming back that night to steal her. It's, it's all so weird to me. But, um, but um, the other crazy thing is that um, before any of you are, are buying your tickets to go to Central Asia to just, you know, fast forward that dating process straight to marriage, um, this, this girl actually moves in with his family, with her, um, her parents, and kind of becomes like a slave in the home. She says all the cooking, all the cleaning, all everything. And so it's, it's not as dreamy as it might come across. So... Um, I think here, most of us end up, um, I think we kind of go to extremes when we think about dating. Um, I think that we can either go with what the world says is right in dating. We go with our good friend, Lady Gaga. And in her song, um, Paparazzi, she says, I'm your biggest fan. I'll follow you until you love me. 
Papa, paparazzi. Promise I'll be kind, but I won't stop until that boy is mine. Baby, you'll be famous. Chase you down until you love me. Papa, paparazzi. Y'all, that's creepy. I have sung those words, and I've never really thought about what it means or what she was saying, but it is creepy. I think some people go to the other extreme, and we're in that um, kind of conservative Christian camp, and we're like, okay, I'm just going to sit in my high tower. I'm a princess, and I'm just going to wait for my prince to come climb up and rescue me. You know, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to wait here. But, but y'all, those are both just crazy extremes, and so hopefully we're going to be able to find a little bit of balance here today as we talk about um, just some principles that we can learn from um, Song of Songs. So last week, as Marty said, Jacob introduced us um, in the last few weeks to this couple um, that's in the midst of this relationship. It's a pretty steamy relationship we've kind of gotten into here um, with this couple as we've been um, watching their romance. Um, So we looked at attraction last week, which Jacob talked to us about, and um, it's basically based on the character and the name of the person, okay? That's what should primarily attract us to somebody of the opposite sex. Now, the reason that we're studying Song of Songs this, this year, this semester, um, we're studying Song of Songs to see how the melody of a relationship can present the message of the gospel. We don't want to just pursue great relationships. We want to pursue godly relationships and sing his beautiful song over the brokenness of our world, okay? So this week, we're going to start looking at the pursuit phase. And since I'm a woman, um, I'll be mostly speaking to you women, but I'll have a few little nuggets for you guys. So listen up. Um, I want to say, first of all, too, that Song of Songs is not a dating manual. It is not a dating manual, okay? I think that this couple, um, Solomon and his um, bride, are sitting in the security of, um, in the bliss of marriage. And I think that they wrote um, this poem about what they were feeling at the beginning stages of their relationship. And so they can take a little bit more liberty and they can, they can be a little bit more free in how they're expressing their desires and their words. I don't think that it's always wise for us to express our desires and our words maybe as strongly as they are at the beginning of a relationship. Relationship. I also love that here at the beginning of this book, we can see um, the characters in the book, the ones that are talking, are um, Solomon and the woman, and then the woman's friends. And girls, we know this is true, right? That's who's part of a relationship, if we're going to be honest. Guys, I don't know if you know, but whenever you ask a girl out on a date, when she goes home, All of her friends and her roommates come around. We usually sit on the floor, and we hear all about everything that happened um, on the date, play by play, and then um, we decide what really happened, right? We're like, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, maybe that happened, but this is what he meant. This is what he said. He didn't say this, so he probably meant that. And, you know, we, we kind of analyze it. I like to call this the high council. So... We have the high council, we meet together, and I love that even here in Song of Songs, there's the high council, it's there, it's a part of life, y'all. So, so yeah, okay, so we're going to move into um, the book here, and I think that we can all see that there are some, some huge desires going on. Um, you can see what she says here, she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, and tell me whom my soul loves. She's got great desire for him. He says, I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots, which hopefully you were here last week and you got to hear Jacob explain why he's basically calling her like a horse face. It is romantic, I promise. It's, it's, uh, it's a good thing. But if you weren't here, you should go back and listen to the podcast and you can hear him. 
Um, He also says, behold, you are beautiful, my love. There's great desire for one another going on between this couple. Desire is not a bad thing, okay? The attraction that we talked about last week and what attracts us to one another in the character, that actually fuels our desire. She also says, draw me after you. Let us run. She's so drawn by him. She wants him. He's her desire. And it's not a wrong thing. So I want to talk to you, um, I want to talk to a couple of different groups of you as we think about desire. First of all, I want to talk to the single friends out there, okay? Yeah. Um, (laughs) I was single for a long time in my life. I just got married um, last year at the age of 35, okay? I don't want to freak you out. Most of you aren't going to have to wait that long. But as somebody who knows what it's like to be single for a while, I know that many of you single friends have all the desire in the world, and you're just dying for a godly man to pursue you, to ask you out. I know that sometimes that desire can be so strong that it can actually ache. It can be a pain. But y'all, the problem is with that desire, the, the problem comes to be whenever we take that desire into our own little pedicured hands and we try to manipulate God and we try to tell him and demand from him what we want and when we want it. Okay, and so you can't demand or manipulate God into doing something that we want that he never promised us. You know what? He never promised us as Christians that we would get married. He never promised that. If the stats are true, over 90% of you are going to get married. So again, don't, don't worry, but don't try to manipulate God into something that he's never promised any of us, okay? Let me tell you, as somebody who, um, who also wishes that they could get um, a lot back, I, I had many single years that I just was wishing my single years away, okay? And let me tell you that wishing it away does not take away the desire. Wishing your single years away will never take away the desire. You need to learn as I had to learn, to trust God in the midst of that, in the midst of the pain. Learn to memorize his scripture, believe his truths, figure out what he says and what's true about you and what's true about him. Focus on those things during your single years. God is a God who is all-powerful, right? He has all the power in the world, and he would change our, change our circumstances if that was what was best, because he's also good, and he knows what's best for us. And God would change everything if that's what was best. So we need to trust him exactly where we are. Um, And in the meantime, I um, I want to encourage you girls to be like the woman in Song of Songs. She's looking back at her life before she met Solomon, and she, she says, Do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were very angry angry with me, and they made me keeper of the vineyards. She's looking back, and she's saying, you know, my skin is dark. Jacob talked about this last week, too. My skin is dark because I've been working out in the fields. She wasn't sitting around in her high tower waiting for Solomon to come around. She was active, and she was present in what God had given her in her circumstances at that time. She was working hard. And so I want to encourage you, be like her. Work hard, get tan and wait well, right? It's good, it's good, do this. When I was single too, something that was so profound um, to me was um, I heard somebody say that it's better to be lonely and single than to be lonely and married. 
It's better to be lonely and single than to be lonely and married. And that is so true. So embrace it. Learn to trust God during this time. You as single people, single women and single men, we have such a unique opportunity to reflect God and his gospel to this world in a way that other people aren't reflecting him. And so use this time to really show others who he is. You have such an opportunity. Okay, so now I'm going to switch to my dating friends, okay? Those of you out there who are dating, what do you do with this desire that you have? Well, I say express it, but be wise in how much you express and how fast you express it, okay? You need to really use wisdom. Maybe you could write a poem about how you feel, and then if the relationship works out, you can share it with others, right? You can just be like, just like Solomon and this woman, right? But um, timing really is crucial as you, um, as you think about what to say and when to say it. So as you're dating, I just want to encourage you, never ever use your words in order to hold on to something that you feel like is slipping away. Let your words come from your heart. I know so many people who have been tempted to throw out the I love yous because they feel like they have to say it to um, hold on to, um, to this person that they feel might be slipping away. Their affections maybe are waning. Throwing out future promises. Y'all be careful in what you say. It's not honoring to another person to say something that's not coming from your heart. Say it from a healthy place if you're going to say it. My sweet husband, David, he, um, he's Brazilian, and so he, um, he has a very passionate Latin heart. And, um, and as we were dating, uh, he felt that he loved me at a certain point as our, um, as our relationship was progressing. And so I remember that night, I remember um, us, and um, we were talking, and, and he said it, I love you. And to which I responded with a smile and a hug and, um, and nothing else. And then he left. Um, um, and it was, it was great because it was great for me to know where he was. He truly felt it. And he wasn't saying it um, in order to get anything or to try to manipulate anything. But he was saying it because that's how he felt, but I didn't feel like I had to say it back in order to impress him or in order to keep him. Um, I wanted to say it when I knew that that's what I felt, and he was great, and he didn't pressure me to say it. Um, he waited patiently for my cold American heart to get there, and, um, and it did, and, and it was great when it, when it did, and, um, and I think that we were really able to honor God um, in that. So I think that as you're dating, you can learn so many lessons, too, from, um, from this couple. What we really see as we look through this book, especially in chapter 2, we see their words to one another are kind. Concentrate on kindness as you speak of one another. Speak well of one another as you're dating. Um, it's such an important thing. Don't say kind things to one another to get anything, but because you see God's character and you admire that in them, say those things. We can say, see that he says here in 2-2, to her, as a lily among the brambles, so is my love among the young women. And she says to him, as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. So they're speaking kindly. They're speaking well of one another. They're praising one another. They're building one another up in their words. Again, my husband David is so great at this. He, um, 
he would always say just wonderful things to me. He'd point out the things of God that he admired in my character and in the way that I lived and the things that I did. So much so that the night that he actually proposed to me, I had no idea that a proposal was coming even moments before because he was saying these, like he was building up, you know, and saying all these like really great things about me and what he admired and what he loved about me. But he always did that. And so I had no idea that this was the great buildup for their proposal. And so, um, y'all, that is, that's great. It's a dreamy way to have, um, to have a, a boyfriend or a husband. And it's a great way to um, build your relationship with one another. So speak in kindness. Speak well of one another. I think that as you girls, as you look at a guy, um, look at his kindness in his words and in his actions. And is he kind not only to you, but is he kind to others? It can be really easy to be kind to the one person that you're trying to impress, but, um, but what is he like around his friends and his family and um, the people, um, his neighbors? Um, look at those things, and I think that that will help you to, um, to see more of his character. So, um, so with our desires, I think sometimes um, our desires are strong. They come on. We um, sometimes go on dates. We, um, we get boyfriends and girlfriends because we have a strong desire for them. But sometimes we've never really thought about our intentions or our motives for dating. So you have these desires, but why should you date? Why should you not date? When should you date? When should you not date? So I think that um, as we, we're going to look for a few minutes at our motives for starting relationships. And I think for women, for um, girls especially, a lot of times we enter into relationships because we really want a sense of security and significance. Okay? We enter into relationships because we want a sense of security and significance. But God never designed us to find those things primarily in a human relationship. We were never meant to find our security and our significance primarily in a human relationship. I love these verses. Um, Psalm 90, 14, it says, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Love is not self-seeking. And if we're using relationships or we're using love in order to, tr- to try to satisfy ourselves, in order to find our significance and our security in another person, we're always going to be disappointed. We have to find those things in God. That's how he created us. And y'all, that's the beauty of the gospel. That's what the gospel is all about. God gave us a way to have a secure and loving relationship with him through sending Jesus to die on our behalf. And then God raised him from the dead. And if we believe in his death and resurrection for our forgiveness, he'll forgive everything that we've done in the past. And he gives us the security of his love for us in the present and in the future. And we can find everything that we need in security and in significance in him. Y'all, that is the beauty of the gospel. And that's what he wants you to hear. And if you've never started a relationship with him, before you ever start thinking about a relationship with another person, you should think about a relationship with him because that's, that's the only one that will ever satisfy. That's the only one that will ever last for your lifetime. And if you've never started a relationship with him, please do that today. Come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about that. It is vital for all of us, though, to be secure in our relationship with God and to know our value in him before we're ever going to have a significant and a um, healthy dating relationship. 
the woman, again, in Song of Songs, she is talking to her girlfriends here, and she says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. She's begging them, please don't start this. Don't start a relationship until you're ready. Wait for God's timing. It's too hard to do it outside of God's timing. Wait for him. That's the only way that it's ever going to be something that's beautiful and honoring to God. I think that when we don't heed her advice and we rush into, um, into again, just thinking about um, about love, we, ele- we, we can tend to, especially as women, we can tend to elevate love to this position of it being the ultimate, highest, best thing that we can ever imagine. It can be easy for us to do, right, girls? But I love, um, there's a book called Counterfeit Gods by an author, Timothy Keller, and um, he kind of addresses this. He has a chapter that's talking about love and um, love being an idol in our lives. So basically when we put love um, above God, Um, in this concept of romantic love especially. And so in this chapter, he tells a story that probably a lot of you are familiar with. It's the story of um, Jacob in the Bible. Jacob, he deceived his father and his brother, right? And, um, And it was forced him to have to leave and flee his home. And he had to go to his uncle's far away um, to work and to make a living. But he was looking for that love that he never found in his family. Um, And when he got to his uncle's, he set his sights on his cousin, Rachel, um, which I don't advocate falling in love with your cousins in this talk, but um, it worked back then in the Bible for some reason. So... um, he finds Rachel, and he becomes obsessed with her, and he, he wants this love. He wants this love that he's searching for, and so he decides that he will work for seven years in order to get Rachel to marry him, to get um, her hand in marriage from his uncle, and um, so after seven years, he finally gets her, he thinks, and he wakes up the morning after his wedding night. He looks over, and he sees that instead of Rachel laying there, it's her sister Leah, um, his other cousin, and, um, and she is the girl that nobody wanted. And so he was tricked. And, um, and as Tim Keller um, talks about this, he says, he says, if you get married, as Jacob did, putting the weight of all your deepest hopes and longings on the person you are marrying, you are going to crush him or her with your expectations. No person not even the best one, can give your soul all it needs. You are going to think you have gone to bed with Rachel, and you will get up, and it will always be Leah. I love what that says, and I love the disillusionment and the dissatisfaction that God shows us through this story. We're never going to be able to meet our deepest longings, or be satisfied in another person. Even the best one can't do that for us, and it's not fair for us to put those expectations on them. Only God can give that to us. So first, be satisfied in God's love. So when, girls, we're going to get a little practical here for a minute, when should you say yes to a date? Well, as we've talked about, First, you want to be attracted to his character, right? You want to see a guy who loves God and who's following God. I remember when I was in college, I was all too often like 20 steps ahead of what was going on. And so, and so I probably said a lot of no's to guys because I wasn't sure that I wanted to marry him yet. 
but that's not what he was asking. He was asking on me on a date, right? Um, and so don't be like me. Remember that it's just a date. It's just a date. And um, you know what? If you keep that mindset, if it doesn't work out, if one or the other of you decides, you know, we're not going to continue dating, it's okay because it was just a date. It doesn't define your worth or your value or your beauty or anything about you, okay? So remember that it's just a date. Guys, I want to encourage you, no sneak dates, okay? And what I mean by that is be clear when you're taking a girl out. Be clear that it's a date. Remember I told you about the high council? They're going to make their assumptions about whether or not it's a date. So the clearer you can be, the more you shut down the high council, okay? So be as clear as you can. Also, if you're not sure yet, if you're not sure about a girl, if you really want to date her, I just really encourage you, stay in groups, be with her around other people until you're sure. And then when you're sure, be clear and ask her on a date, okay? A guy, a man who loves the Lord, who follows him, who's kind and intentional, is so attractive to a girl. Okay, so say no, obviously, if the guy does not know the Lord or he doesn't follow him. But then sometimes a guy asks you out and you're already pretty sure, you're sure that you do not feel the same way about him. It's okay to say no to him, okay? Um, My friend um, used to say this. She said, just because there's two pieces of bread left in the bag doesn't mean that they go together. Get it? Yeah. Um, So just because there's two pieces of bread left in the bag doesn't mean that you have to say yes. Just because you're both Christians doesn't mean that you necessarily go together, okay? So if you girls are certain that this is not somebody that you're interested, it's okay to say no. But if you think that there is a chance, even just like a 0.01% chance, something, maybe, maybe it could work, maybe. Um, I say go. I mean, at least you probably are going to get a free meal, right? (laughs) Awesome. And (laughs) he might be, you might be surprised. He might be somebody, he might be different than what you thought. Give him a chance to surprise you. You never know. But in all of this too, I want to say one more word to the guys. If a girl does say no to you, I'm so sorry. I know that it's hard. I know that it's hard to ask girls out. I'm so sorry. But I want to encourage you, try to move on, be friendly to her, and treat her like a sister in Christ, okay? So those are some of the principles that that I think that we can learn about our desires and our motives and intentions as we um, try to date and we try to um, live for God, date for God in a a godly way in this world. But I want you to, um, I'm going to go over a couple of things now that I think that a lot of girls tend to fall into. These are some of the pitfalls that I feel like um, are common in girls, okay? So maybe you'll um, relate to some of these. The first one, first pitfall, our crushes. Oh, crushes. Desire is okay. Stalking is not. (laughs) Okay? There's a thin line between cute and creepy. All right? So keep that in mind, okay? When you are texting incessantly, when you are 
changing up your schedule so that you might run into him when you're, um, you know, oh, I think he has a class over on West Campus, so I'll just go study over there and see, you know, like, it's, it gets a little creepy. It's not really attractive, okay? So chill out. I'm not saying that you need to ignore him, and I'm not saying that you need to sit back and just see if he's brave enough to come after you, okay? But don't manipulate situations. In your crushes, don't manipulate situations. Use the normal interactions that you have with him in order to um, get to know him, in order to show him, show him in those normal interactions that you appreciate who he is, that you like who he is. Show him who you are. Be normal. Be yourself. Don't be somebody that you think he wants you to be, because it's going to come out later in the relationship if that happens. Be yourself, and if something happens, and it happens. But what I will say is that if time passes and he doesn't do anything to advance the relationship, you need to move on from your crush, okay? You need to move on. It's not healthy um, to stay in that place for a long period of time, I don't think. Sometimes that's going to require you to distance yourself a little bit from him, Maybe not to be as available to him as you have been, but do what you need to do to protect your heart, girls, because really if your crush continues and continues, it's going to bring you into a a bad place, and you're not going to be in a place where you really are trusting God and trusting what he wants. You're going to really start to try to manipulate and um, put your desires on him, trying to manipulate him to do what you want him to do. I think that when the second pitfall, I think when your crush kind of gets out of hand, oftentimes it's because of the second pitfall. And the second one is fantasy. Okay, and what I mean is that, girls, you know what I'm talking about. If you have already, um, you've got this crush on this guy, if you've already planned out your entire first date, if you have already maybe thought about how your entire relationship's going to go, and then you've imagined your wedding day, and you've imagined your wedding dress. Maybe you have a Pinterest board with it on it. Um, you've imagined what colors you're going to have. You've already picked out your children's names. Okay, y'all, that, <laughs> that is fantasy. We're going to places, and we're going places in our minds that are not reality. And um, no wonder you can't get over your crush, right? Because you're always thinking about him. I I have talked to a lot of girls, and every girl that I have talked to has told me that fantasizing is a normal part of their lives. But y'all, it's dangerous. Fantasy is a breeding ground for discontentment. Fantasy is a breeding ground for discontentment, okay? I finally realized that in my life, when I realized that my fantasy life was holding me back from living in reality. It was holding me back from being available for God for the things that he wanted me to do right where he had me, right in my real life. I think that it's a weak thing when we, um, when we end up going um, into fantasy. We're, we're afraid to stay in our own lives and in our own situations, and so we run to something that we wish for. We run, run to something that's not true. I want you girls, I, I know that, um, that this is a hard thing, and I know that, um, that it's a discipline to learn to stay in reality, 
but I think that it's so worth working on. Stay in reality. Be brave. Be courageous to stay right where God has you. He has plenty right for you, right where you are. Um, Learn this discipline. Work on it. No discipline is easy, but when you start to see a thought in your mind come up and you start to go down that road of fantasy, stop it right where it is. Call it what it is and ask God for the strength to live in reality. I love this verse. It's at um, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's what he's talking about. Let's take our thoughts captive. Let's make them obedient to Christ before they run away in this direction and in this place that he doesn't necessarily want us to be. Um, I really think that if you learn this discipline and if you learn to do this, God will bless your obedience. God will bless your obedience, ladies, as you walk in faith and in trust in him in this. And I really think that you will see your discontentment melt away as you choose to live in reality instead of running to fantasy. Okay, the last pitfall is compromise. And as you know, as we've talked about, obviously don't compromise in who you're going to date or who you're going to marry. The Bible is absolutely clear that we as Christians are not to marry non-Christians, and that starts with dating, okay? And if that's a problem for you, um, I say one way to help yourself is to pre-decide, pre-decide what you're going to do. Decide that you are not going to date people that are not Christians. Pre-decide that because y'all, some, when a little hottie is standing in front of you asking you out, like it's hard in the moment, right? Like it's hard to say no. But if you have pre-decided, you've decided, no, I'm only going to date Christians, it makes it a lot easier. And then if you ask your friends to help hold you accountable to that and to ask you, that is going to help you so much. So pre-decide that you are only going to date Christians. I think that will help you not to compromise. The other way that I think that we tend to compromise is in our boundaries, specifically our physical boundaries when we're in a dating relationship. Okay, I think that we need to talk about our physical boundaries with the one that we're dating early. I'm not saying the first date, okay, but like within the first month or so, you probably need to talk with one another about what what your boundaries are going to be in your relationship. If you just sit back and kind of see what happens, you are setting yourself up for failure and for disaster. The Bible is clear that sex is a beautiful thing, but it is to be reserved for the relationship of marriage. It is only to be enjoyed in the context of marriage, okay? The Bible doesn't say a lot else about boundaries or physical um, boundaries that we should have, but you need to talk to one another about it. This is not on, on just the guy, and it's not on just the girl, both of you need to talk with one another about, about this. Speak up. Don't just wait and see what happens, okay? And then I think that also involve others in your relationship. Don't stay in isolation in your relationships because that is, um, that's just where mistakes happen. Involve your friends in your relationships. Let them see how you interact with one another. Let them see who you are together and give them room to give you input into your relationship. Um, I think that that's going to help you so much not to compromise um, as, you, um, as you are in relationships. Ultimately, y'all, Our relationships will reflect either the world and its standards, or they're going to reflect God. God made us to be his representatives in this world, and we have such a great opportunity to be able to reflect him and his gospel in our relationships. Don't miss that opportunity, y'all. Will you pray with me? 
Lord, um, thank you so much. Thank you that you love us enough to send your son to die for us um, and to give us an opportunity to have the most beautiful relationship that is secure um, in him. Thank you, God, that you, um, that you want us to have relationships where we can reflect you. Lord, even in our desires, even in our single years, we can reflect you to this world the way that we walk out our relationships, the ways that we talk about it, the ways that we, that we trust you through those years, God. Give us strength to be able to do that well. Give us the courage to stand for you, God, and to be different than this world. Help us to reflect you. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you that you are with us. Thank you that your spirit is with each one of us to help us um, as we go through this process. Thank you that we are not alone. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I want you guys just to spend a couple minutes reflecting now. Just spend a couple minutes and ask the Lord to search your heart and to really reveal where your desires or your motives might look more like the world's than like God's. Ask him to reveal that to you and then ask him to give you the courage to make the changes that he wants you to to make, okay? So spend just a couple minutes reflecting on that before we sing a couple more songs.